Can you hear me okay? Am I screaming? Is it a little bit too loud? Good? Cool. My name is Bree George. I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is September the 18th of 2014. I think first and foremost, I don't know if this is something that we do at the end, uh, but I wanted to thank Jerry, I think Dixon. Where are you, Dixon? Right over there. And everybody that, that took the time to arrange this, I know it takes time and energy and, and to put on a function like this to arrange our, our area coordinators to be here. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you to the speakers before. I uh, gave some great setup for me, so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Uh, thank you for the people that are going to stay out there to help clean up and, and all the time that's been invested here today. It means a lot. I mean, there's a probably 120, 150 people in this room. That's exciting that we get to be here together, and, and I think it's safe to say you're probably pretty serious about your recovery if you're here today. So thank you for being with us. Um, Melissa and I got real spiritual on the way up here and, and centered, and we're listening to some good music and both dogs in harmony, and, and it was good. It got us, got us real centered and, and uh, on the right track. So... Let me get some of the pleasantries out of the way. Um, I have a, a home group. It's the There's a Solution group of Alcoholics Anonymous. We meet Tuesdays and Thursdays in Holly Springs, North Carolina. I'm partial to that group. I'm very happy to be a part of it. Um, I have a sponsor. I've had some great sponsorship throughout my sobriety, and, and uh, I do the best I can to work with other folks in the program, too. Uh, so what I'm going to do a little bit today is, uh, is tell you a little bit about what brought me to Alcoholics Anonymous, what that journey has looked like since I've gotten here. So I'll just kind of dive right in, qualify myself a little bit. So I grew up in a really loving home. I had a mom and a dad, older brother, older sister, and we didn't really want or need for anything. We had, you know, all of our needs were met and, and most everything that we wanted just good structure in the home, good values. We went to church on Sundays. We would pray before meals together, pray before bed. And I remember growing up with an idea of what faith looked like. Uh, it didn't exactly hit my heart when I was young, but I remember uh, believing in God as a kid. And uh, I'm keep an eye on, on the timer back there. So... Not much drinking in the home. I, I, I can't say that anybody in my immediate family is alcoholic. I, I, there wasn't any difficulties inside my home. I, just a really beautiful childhood, a beautiful life, good family, good morals, good values. Yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Be helpful to other people. Play nice with the other kids. I mean, these are all things that I learned at a young age and, and quickly gave away to alcohol. Um, a lot of the, the speakers before really told my story when it came to how we felt when we got here. I know we all may have gotten here a, a few different ways, but really what I can identify with is the feelings inside and, and uh, just really being broken enough to be willing to do something different. Um, I, I had my first drunk when I was 12, and um, I won't go too much into it, but what I can tell you that was extremely memorable for me is I had a lot of fear, a lot of doubt, worry. I, I was never smart enough, pretty enough, cool enough, couldn't look you in the eyes. I never matched up to anybody. I was extremely self-centered, full of fear for from some of my very earliest memories. I mean, even as a young girl, 
where I had nothing but love and, and attention from my family and, and friends and, and very active in sports. So I had absolutely everything on paper that really denotes a good life for a child. Um, I'm just selfish, really, really selfish. And uh, I remember that, that first time that I got drunk, I was with my older brother and um, we we're drinking vanilla vodka and it's still hard to smell vanilla to this day, you know, like <laughs> vanilla hand soap even, it's, it brings me right back. And I remember the feeling being electric. There's, I'm gonna reference the book a, a little bit today, that's a hope shot anyway. Um, but I remember that those fears and the doubts and everything, they went away almost instantaneously. They were gone and I felt comfortable in a room of people. I, I felt like I, I could just be a part of, and that was the first time since some of my earliest memories that I felt not so afraid. I felt like those fears and the doubts, they were gone and it was glorious for like a half hour. And then, uh, <laughs> and then it wasn't glorious. And, uh, I love the way it made me feel. I didn't really exactly have every opportunity from, from 12 to 16 to drink daily. But when I could, I did. Um, my father passed away when I was 16, and, and that belief system that I was raised with, uh, the idea of, of God and, and togetherness and morals and values, I just walked away from every bit of that. After he passed, it was really tough for my family, and, and instead of being a part of my family, I, I rebelled against it and really sought alcohol. I, I began daily drinking, acting out, misbehaving, legal consequences at a young age. They all started rolling in, and they didn't change my behavior. None of that did. So as a result of my drinking, I went to my first treatment facility when I was 17, and I went to uh, my second one at 20, and, and I remember thinking to myself, man, if I can just, if I can lay out the hard stuff and, and just drink like a lady and, you know, maybe, maybe cut out some of the, the other activities that either keep me drinking for a while or I don't want to drink with these to interact with that, and um, I tried it. That was my MO. I would think that the material world, you know, the outside world was going to be able to help, help save me, whether it was a, a relationship, a job, uh, the material, all the material. I thought that was important. I thought that defined people, and that didn't work for me. It just kept getting worse over time. So I destroyed a, a marriage through that time from 16 to 26, I'll just give you the Cliff Notes version. I destroyed a marriage. Uh, I had been in and out of treatment. I had been arrested. I had drinking tickets. And I remember this, uh, towards the end of my drinking, I, I was somehow able to, to have a job. And we, uh, we got off work. We said we were going to drink that night. And, and my alcoholism brought me to a place where I just wanted to die. I had been to a couple fellowship meetings and I wasn't willing to hear a message uh, in that room, and unfortunately it brought me to a place where I thought I had no other choice. So I remember waking up that morning, and I told myself that we were going to go to the bar after work, and I was just going to drive really fast into a tree, and that would solve my problems. And me and my buddy, we had gone to the bar, it was 50 cent drafts, and I remember we got there right after work, so it was probably about 10 o'clock at night, and we closed the bar down, and I don't remember what happened in between uh, when we left that bar at 4 o'clock in the morning when 
I hit a deer going 65 miles an hour. And, you know, I'm not saying that God put a deer in the road to stop me from driving into a tree. I just know that something divine has been working in my life, even when I didn't even recognize it. You know, I, uh, I was pretty miserable and, and carried on that way for the next few years until the consequences piled up so much and I was alone. I didn't have absolutely anything, anyone. I was a, a liar, a cheat, a thief. Nobody wanted to be around me, rightfully so. I, I, I would steal absolutely everything from you and, and I was really angry and violent when I drank. I, I was not a good time. I wasn't fun to be around. I, I thought that you know, drinking and, and going to the bar, or going to a house party and getting into a fight, that's how people drank. But I came to find out after getting sober, that's not how it's supposed to go. And um, so towards the end there, I had given away absolutely everything, like my morals, my values, all my family, and all the relationships. I had nothing. So I figured, you know what, I'm just going to I'm going to drink myself to death here and, and be done with it after that. So I, I knew that I had some, some legal charges, and I figured I'll just run. I'll just run until, until I can leave this earth and, and um, die that way, because I, I just was unwilling to accept any kind of help. So the, the last six months, I, I downgraded from living on friends' couches to living in the streets and I was walking barefoot up and down this road, back and forth from this mechanic shop that I was living in with somebody who drank just like I did and behaved just like I did. And um, it was a pretty miserable existence. It was very lonely. I, I didn't know that being a part of a group, being a part of something much bigger than me, the power that was behind that, and I had none. I had absolutely no power. Uh, I had no will. I had nothing left in me towards the end of my drinking there. And I, uh, at the very end, my, my sister and brother, and this is legal, by the way, this is perfectly legal. My sister and brother, citizens arrested me and brought me to the police station to turn myself in. And I remember looking up after because I thought maybe there's like a loophole here. You know, maybe I was wrongfully arrested. And, but it's legit. They, people can do that. And they do. So I, I went to jail for a very short period of time, and while I was there, there was people, women, uh, that were talking about this treatment facility and how great it was, and, and I had absolutely nothing left. I had nobody that was you know, wanting to be around me, and um, it sounded really good, but I had like this deep level of skepticism because the people that were telling me about this really great program were sitting in jail with me, but I really didn't have any other options. I mean, that was, that was it for me. So I figured, you know what, let's, let's give this thing a shot. And that's where my journey in sobriety began. I remember being uh, dried out for about a month, a uh, month and maybe a week. And and picking back up because I was I, I hadn't asked somebody to, to sponsor me yet. I wasn't getting busy with service. I didn't have a home group. And you hear it a lot. Like uh, I don't know. People don't people talk about in, in Alcoholics Anonymous that they don't know how they're going to behave when they drink. I mean, I know exactly how I'm going to behave, and it's not good. I know. I know what to expect. The people around me know what to expect. I know how I'm going to behave, and it's not good, and it does not get better over time. My behavior continues to get worse, no matter what that looks like. 
so when I was finally uh, in pain enough, being dried out, I wouldn't say I was in sobriety because I was literally doing nothing. Um, I was dried out enough to be willing to, to not want to die anymore. I asked a woman to take me through the steps and, and she came to that treatment facility and, and she met with me every single week and she spent countless hours on the phone with me trying to trying to help guide me and, and talk me off a ledge if I was thinking about drinking or, or killing myself. I was, I was pretty broken when I got here and resistant. Honesty came probably towards the last for me. I was willing to do something different. I was uh, open-minded for this program and the honesty piece kind of fell in a little bit later. Uh, but what was suggested to me is the topic tonight uh, that I've been asked to share a little bit of experience on, and uh, that's hopefully what I'll do for you guys today. I was extremely fortunate early on, and, and the woman's actually in this room tonight. I won't put you on blast. You know who you are. Uh, I was about 90 days sober, and in this treatment facility, there was a, a home group, and somehow... Somehow somebody decided that I was going to be the GSR of that group at 90 days sober. It made no sense. I had no idea what I was doing. And, and this woman, God bless her, she wasn't even a home group member. It was really just largely a treatment facility run home group. Um, but we still took, we were going from a treatment facility to take meetings into a treatment facility. And we still did service while we were there. It was a really unbelievable experience, but I'll never forget. This woman came. She had worked all day. I never forget the, the very first district meeting I ever attended. It sounded like a foreign language. She came, she picked me up from the, the homeless shelter I was living in and drove me out to the other side of Raleigh and, and she talked to me and she was kind to me and, and made me feel comfortable. I remember that's when I started to feel like, man, this is, this is pretty great. You know, people are really amazing here and they wanna be helpful and, and I can see that she can relate to me on experience and. And her life has drastically changed, so maybe there's really something to this. And that was one of the first examples, aside from sponsorship, that, that I started to see a, a real power in Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, there's, uh, there's been a, a couple experiences that I've had in sobriety when it came to what didn't work in a home group. And it's not that the home group was bad. It's not that the people were bad. Um, but I can tell you that there was a little bit of uh, disconnect when it came to unity. And as a result of that, that group ultimately did disband. And um, I've been able to, to stay in contact with those people. And, and largely most of them are still sober and actually a part of uh, the group that I attend regularly and call my home group now. So um, so a part, of, part of the talk tonight is uh, about a spiritual entity, and I, I, I didn't spend any time until last night doing a little bit of research on this, and, and I talked to a friend uh, yesterday about it, uh, trying to get some suggestions, and it's really hard to find those two words together. It's really difficult to, uh, to get somebody to articulate what those two things mean, but it's actually really, really simple Spiritual, I'm not going to read the definition and bore you, but spiritual is God. Uh, entity is people, and what that means to me is that God and people get to work together, and that's where we get a pretty incredible result. And, you know, I've seen, um, I, I, I learned, I, I think actually all three of the speakers before me talked about being educational variety, and that's me too. I, 
I learned very slowly over time through others' experience, and I'm not uh, exceptional at anything when I try it the first time. I, I have to practice, and I have to stay in good practice with things, and, and attending a home group regularly has been one that's been extremely important to me. I've learned a, a great deal from home group. I've, I've learned how to be a part of a group. I've learned how to develop relationships with people, how to, how to show up to a group on time, how to put myself aside and reach my hand out for the newcomer. And it, it didn't matter what length of sobriety I had. I should have been taking those actions all along. And what I can tell you as a result of those things, as a result of attending a meeting regularly, taking the suggestions of my sponsor, of of some of the leaders in my home group, some of those fears that were there in early sobriety, they started to go away and, and the peace that was inside and, and the relationship that I was able to develop with my creator over time just continued to get stronger. Being involved in service commitments and following through, I mean, these were things that I never did when I was drinking and, you know, unity was something I, I didn't exactly have when I, I was uh, actively drinking and, I wasn't, I wasn't a part of a group there at the end. I wasn't a part of anything. I was just me, and I wasn't a good time. It wasn't fun being alone. And I started to really connect with people and, uh, and build those relationships and get to meet fresh faces at my home group and remove a lot of the fear. I was terrified when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. I was... I was afraid that I wasn't going to match up with you guys. I was afraid that uh, I, I didn't have enough God in my life, uh, that you guys had much more uh, a solid spiritual condition than I did. And what I did is I started following the leaders. I would watch them stand at the door and, and shake people's hands. I'd watch them give a genuine smile to people. And they'd ask me if I wanted to come to, you know, bring a meeting into a treatment facility. And I would say yes. And Hey, are we going out to dinner after? Okay, cool, let's do it. So I was able to develop some meaningful relationships with people in a home group. And as a, as a result of that, I, I was able to sit in a business meeting and, and hear people different opinions and uh, you know not totally lose their cool on each other and be able to have discussion without there being argument. There have, has been some argument over the past couple years. Uh, I wouldn't say argument, maybe contention. Nah, there's been differences of opinions, if you will. And, um, but we all walk out to the parking lot and we're all laughing and having a good time and we're not carrying that outside of the meeting. We're able to just come together on spiritual ground, meet each other, understand each other, listen to each other, respect each other. And it shows. I mean, it really shows in, the, in a group. You can walk up to a group and tell right away, you know, if, if you've got uh, a solid group. And um, I'm, I've been blessed with that. You know, I've, I've made some mistakes. I'm going to tell you what hasn't worked uh, for me at a home group and what I've learned. And I've been met with grace um, I've entered into some dis discussion at home group that I absolutely had no business entering into. This was just two years ago. I'm even embarrassed to admit this. This is just a couple years ago. And we were standing out front of home group. It was a beautiful day. Um, we were all standing in a circle, and we're having a political discussion that absolutely should not happen in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I had a friend standing next to me who was not engaging in conversation, just politely listening, being an example to us all. And 
I turned to this person and I asked them if they supported a, a certain political candidate. And I was met with grace. You know, I, I, I was shown how to react during those kind of experiences. What he said to me very simply was, you probably shouldn't ask that question. <laughs> but wait, he also said, ask me if I, uh, if I supported Nixon. I was like, did you support Nixon? And he said, you probably shouldn't ask me that either. <laughs> and he went again, and he said, hey, ask me if I supported so-and-so. I was like, come on. And he said, ask me. So I asked him, and I got the point. He said, you probably shouldn't ask me that. So I was, I've been met with grace. I've been met with understanding. I've had leaders to help show me the way. My, my sponsor, she's, she's been really important to me and, and showed me how to be self-supporting and what the importance of that was. And I... Again, I learned from falling short. I learned from making mistakes. Uh, I was probably about a year sober, and I got to a meeting and met my sponsor there. And I remember walking into that meeting, and she also met me with grace. Um, went in that meeting, I had like an expensive coffee drink or something in my hand, and I didn't have a dollar for the basket. She was watching me as the basket went around, and she came up to me after a meeting, and, and she met me with grace. I've had a, a lot of people be very patient with me and, and explain to me uh, how to behave in this program, how to behave in life, and in turn, I've been able to, to take that into the workplace. I've been able to, to show up spirit of the law, show up to work on time early. I show up to the meeting on time early. I stay late. I try to, you know, instead of, and these are all things that I've learned from people. These aren't things that just came to, came to me. I watched people go away from a group that they were talking to because they saw somebody that either looked terrified or somebody that was just standing alone and they would just walk up, shake their hand and say, hey, how are you? I'm, I'm so-and-so. It's nice to meet you. I'm, I'm glad you're here. We've got coffee that way. Uh, bathrooms are down there. we got a snack table. And, and if there's anything we can do to help you, we're here. That was powerful. I remember watching that happen time and time again because I was that terrified little girl for probably the first, I don't know, six months, eight months of my sobriety, just being so afraid to be around everybody. And um, I read something last night. There's a couple things I want to touch on. There's a, a tradition in particular, uh, the long form of the tradition, where it talks about a spiritual entity. It's tradition five. Each Alcoholics Anonymous group ought to be a spiritual entity, having but one primary purpose, that of carrying its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. And very simply put, I mean, that just means I should try to help people. You know, I should try to, try to be of service when I'm at my home group, when I am in my home, when I'm with my family, when I'm in traffic. I should try to be helpful to people. You know, if somebody's merging in, I'm... I often get yelled at for being too cautious on the road and letting people merge in. And uh, I try to really practice that everywhere I go. And it's taken a lot of time and practice, not just the traditions, but the steps too. I mean, there's principles. Those are all principles, every single one of them. You know, it's not a handwritten singular word that goes behind every single one. These are all things that I can practice actively and, and I've been able to been blessed with with good sponsorship and, and leaders in this program also um you know home groups should feel like a safe place it should feel like a place where healing is beginning for people it should feel like um 
people can be comfortable when they get there. I mean, for me, my home group, it, it's just like that first word in there. It's my home. I, you know, my personal home that I live in that I rest my head at, that's my sanctuary. That's, it's, it's safe. It's serene. It's, uh, it's free from, from burden. And, and my home group is the same. And we, you know, as members of that group, we try to make it so that people feel comfortable and welcome and, and that there's unity in that group. I mean, there's probably 20, 20 members of my home group been here tonight, if not more. I mean, that's a powerful statement that people wanted to come and hear speakers today. People were actively arranging this function for us all to be together today. And uh, it's been a journey and it hasn't been uh, the easiest one. And, and again, I, I learned from making mistakes uh, in this program, and you know, people do things with a, I don't know, a, a heart of gratitude, I guess you could say. You know, you can see it. It's not forced reaction. When we go to a treatment facility, we explain why we're there and, um, you know, what our purpose is there to, to be helpful to people. And, and I've learned all this through taking the steps and, and good sponsorship. And, and as a result of that, of practicing the steps and the traditions in my life, I've been able to amend all the other areas of my life as well. The ones that I was having a great deal of difficulty with that I talked about towards the end of my drinking. I, um, I had burned a lot of bridges with, uh, with my family and, and old employers and pretty much everybody I came in contact with as well. And um, I was able to amend those relationships. And, and I think what's real important is I, I would talk to home group members and, and pick their brains. And what's even more incredible is largely when I, when I have discussion with somebody and it seems like something that's full of emotion for me or I have a lot of self-centeredness tied to this, they'll pray with me. We'll stop, we'll pray take a minute, try to invite God in, and then make a decision from there. And, and that's been really helpful. We, you know, we, we pray before meetings together. These good folks here today, they took the time to, to go in the back room and I'm sure pray with all the other speakers before as well, but they took time out of their, their uh, time here to make sure that we invited the Spirit with us. And um, I really appreciate that. So towards the... Uh, Towards uh, getting sober time for me, I, um, I was able to amend a lot of those relationships with family, and, and I learned how to behave as a family member. I learned how to behave uh, at home because early on that probably first and second year, I could, I could do really well in here with you guys. I could do good. I could you know, show face and, and be kind and loving and tolerant, be great with a sponsee. But when I went home, I was like a different person, behaving totally different than what I was showing you in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I remember sitting in a meeting and I heard somebody share, I think it was a speaker or somebody was sharing something. And he said something to the effect of, you can judge a man by what they would say about him in his home. And that, it hit me right between the eyes. I mean, I, I was terrified when I heard that because... Really, what would they say about me? What would they say about me at home? Would they say that I was behaving the same way that I was here and there? And, and that was a big turning point for me. That was a big one. And, and that's when a lot of things came to, came to change. That's when uh, more service. I, I've been very fortunate to be involved in service and uh, sponsored into that and, and had a lot of people be able to answer questions for me. And 
it's been humbling, not knowing all the answers uh, to an entire group of people that are asking them and being able to say, hey, I don't know, but I can probably get the answer for you. That's not something that I did when I first got here. I, I thought I knew everything. I thought I knew all the answers, and clearly I didn't. I, I, I went from jail to a homeless shelter. It, it should have been proof to me that I probably had a little work to do. And um, So I've, I've been able to since uh, amend relationships with my family, some that I, I really damaged pretty badly. My mom, she didn't really want to have much conversation with me, um, but she did agree to meet with me. This is some years back, and... And I sat with that woman face to face, and I'm going to tell you what not to do, um, and then how I fixed that. So I, I sat with that woman, and, and the book talks about we must not shrink. And I, I was still walking through some fear, and I was terrified of one of the questions that I knew inevitably she was going to ask during that amends, and it had to do with a lot of money, and it had to do with potential jail time behind that money, and. Um, so I sat with her, and, and she asked the question, and I lied to her in the amends. And I don't recommend that. I don't. I, I encourage you to not do that, and here's why. Because I had built a, a, a pretty solid foundation up to that point. I was, uh, I was able to develop a relationship with God and, and get anchored in at a home group and stay current with a sponsor. But the moment that I lied to that woman, I immediately was severed. I did not... Um, a lot of those feelings that I had when I first came to Alcoholics Anonymous, they came flooding right back, and it was not a good feeling. So I remember calling my sponsor. It was either that same day or that night. I'd gone to a meeting, and I did not feel very good. That's to put it lightly. And I remember calling her, and, um, and she made a suggestion to me that I should probably... Um, I was totally honest. I laid all the cards on the table. I, I told her absolutely everything. She said I should probably fix it right then, in that moment, if I wanted to stay sober. So I did that, and I've, I've learned over time the importance of being honest, and, and it wasn't always the easiest thing for me to do, whether it was fear-based, fear of what you think of me, fear of what the outcome's going to be. Am I going to get something that, uh, that I really want? Or am I going to lose something that I have? You know, I tell you, it's really beneficial. My home groups helped me to, to walk through a lot of fear, walk through a lot of doubt, uh, insecurity. I used to be terrified to, to get up and, in front of a group of people. And not only that, I wasn't the best reader. I couldn't really articulate my words. And um, they knew I was scared, so they would ask me if I would read how it works and ask me if I would read the traditions. And yeah. I feel like for four months straight, I was like, as soon as my face was at the meeting I was reading, and, and my voice would shake, I would feel like I was going to cry, but I still walked through it, and those people told me after that, you know, they couldn't even understand how it works, because I was struggling so bad, but they told me I did a good job, and, and encouraged me, and there's a lot of love, I mean, I, I learned how to be a part of a group, and just a small part of a group, not, not the center of the group, not on the outside of the group, just a small part of a great whole. And, the, the, you know, I'm really, really partial to my group because um, it's, uh, it's really helped me to be, be able to remove self, be able to be a part of that group, to, to not doubt so much, to not be so fearful. And I've been able to attend some other... Uh, out-of-town groups that are in this area, and I know that there are some really great groups. I, I see a lot of familiar faces in here tonight, 
And then uh, I think one of the last things that I'd like to talk about. Stand by. It's in the book, and, and some of you may be familiar with this. You may be familiar with this paragraph. You've probably heard it quite a bit, but this has helped me greatly. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves that we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, Thy will be done. We are in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decision. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works, it really does. We alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. And it's that simple. These people... Uh, they're, they don't have any more power than me, uh, than you know, the book talks about. Uh, but what I can tell you is these people have, have had deep and effective spiritual experiences, and it shows uh, their behavior, their, the way that they speak, the service that they do, the unselfishness of them. And, and I've really tried to, to follow these people and, and, uh, and their example and and in turn, I've been able to develop a relationship with God that I never thought possible. I came in here deeply opposed to believing in faith. I came in here very closed off spiritually. I didn't, I didn't exactly buy into it. There's a, there's a part in the book where it talks about... I'm going to butcher this, I'm sorry. But it talks about... Um, you watch his face rise when you speak of alcoholism and it's all its ramifications and... And then his face falls when you speak of spiritual matters, and that was me. But I've been able to, over time, through service and great sponsorship, a, a really amazing home group, uh, develop that relationship with God. And it's not something I've been able to do alone. I hear God working through other people. I see God changing people's lives. And, and the book talks about reuniting homes. I got to see this all around me. People's lives were changing. Change was occurring. And, and there was a power here that I, I knew was truth. And I knew, that, um, I knew that it was possible for me to. And it did come about in my life. And, and as a result of that, I, uh, I don't think about drinking today. I don't think so much about me. I, I, I'll close with this kind of towards the end of closing. Um, I heard something, and don't coin me here. Uh, I don't know if this is true. I don't know if this is accurate. I don't know if this is scientific fact, but I heard somewhere that uh, human beings think of themselves upwards of a thousand times a day, and it's probably accurate. I mean, really, if you think about it, like, all of you have been sitting in here, like, is she done yet? Or, like, <laughs> are we going to dinner? Or how far of a drive is it home? Are we going to hit traffic? I mean, probably 15 just within the past, like, five minutes, you know. So it might be accurate. It might be. That thousand is probably pretty accurate. But if we can take just a little bit of a chunk out of that thousand, you know, if I can just take maybe 20 actions or 25 actions each day to try to be helpful to my home group, to my home, at my job, with my mom, with, with my family, 
I think that I'll probably be in pretty good shape. So I am going to end just a little bit early. I don't want to ramble. I don't want to do the end. Um, so thank you guys so much for having me here.